Alright, and welcome to the Raw is Nitro podcast, the show that rips up the buy rates and TV ratings and declares some of our own winners in pro wrestling's biggest head-to-head battles. I'm your host, Lee Carlos Cunningham, back again to go down the 1996 timeline, and this time around we're going to be looking at the November 4th editions of Raw and Nitro. I've been watching away a lot of my 1996 stuff, but have been um, having some difficulty getting hold of my laptop as my wife takes it away to study, Um, has been away on a couple of work trips lately, so I've got plenty in the can ready to chat through. Um, This might be the last episode that drops before Christmas, so if so, I'm going to start the show by wishing everybody a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, or whatever particular holiday you celebrate, and we're going to crack on with some 1996 goodness, because I'm really in the mood and can't wait to be heading into 97 now, Um, so the excitement level for my watching has grown significantly since the start of the show and the stuff I'm watching now is the stuff that I've been actually keen to watch since the network first dropped so really I've got to get my ass into gear and podcast a bit more often otherwise it's going to take me years to watch the stuff I'm excited about. Anyway, that little rant aside, we started with Nitro this time around, so we're going to head over to WCW and see what the NWO stuff, um, what the NWO storyline, sorry, is going to bring us and the continuation of what's going on with Roddy Piper. So let's go check out what they've got to offer on that side of the fence. You would have heard there Tony Schiavone and Larry Zabisco opening up hour one as usual and Sting in the rafters. Um, little tidbit that cracked me up is when Larry Zabisco said Sting has no soul. Um, my youngest one, Brooklyn, um, obviously being quite small, uh, six now um, for most of her life when she's tried to race ahead to an automatic door, it hasn't opened for her. She's been not big enough and I've been jokingly for years telling her that it doesn't open if you have no soul, um, possibly scarring her for life, but it gives me a little giggle. So, you know, well worth it in the trade-off. Um, um, we've got the, the ladies championship tournament going on and we've got Sting and the NWO, you know, are they rivals? Are they negotiating? That's sort of all to play in the episode coming up. We're told Bischoff's not here. He's off with negotiating with Roddy Piper to face Hulk Hogan and we'll see more of that situation later. And we start with our first match, Brad Armstrong taking on Marcus Bagwell, sorry, with Scotty Riggs in his corner. Match gets started with a quick exchange and some chain wrestling before we go out to a commercial break. Brad Armstrong with a drop kick and clotheslines. Bagwell out with the hot crowd enjoying this early. Baseball slide before Bagwell comes back with a drop kick, a clotheslines. Uh, Armstrong out himself and hits a plancher. Uh, the commentary, commentary team start to chat about World War Three, the next pay-per-view in the WCW calendar. A big DDT, tornado DDT from Armstrong for a two. 
Bagwell comes back with a backbreaker and then a quick, uh, sorry, a big crossbody um, on a running Armstrong for the one, two, three in a decent little opener before we go out to a commercial. When we come back, it's time for DDP to take on Ice Train with Teddy Long. We see replays of the Outsiders cheering on DDP last week. Long-term fans will know where this story is heading, um, but at the moment, the Outsiders are courting DDP for the NWO. DDP whispers something in Nick Patrick's ear, and we see the Outsiders in the crowd watching again. Big shoulder block from Ice Train and a back elbow before DDP goes up top and hits a clothesline of his own. A sunset flip from Ice Train, a clothesline from DDP for a two, a pancake for a two, and a neck breaker for a two. Ice Train comes back with a suplex and a power slam, picking up a two count of his own. A big splash for a two. It's a little bit of a slower match, this one. Um, Ice Train being a big Hoss type of wrestler. Clotheslines DDP out. The outsiders come in and actually nail Ice Train while Nick Patrick is attending the DDP on the floor. Ice Train does manage to get himself back up, but after taking the beating, he's prone to a diamond cutter for the 1-2-3 when DDP gets back in the ring. So the outsiders continue to look out for and watch on over DDP. We get an advert for Saturday night and we're told we're going to see Harlem Heat, Steve Regal and Scotty Riggs on that episode. Before going to our next match and it's Scotty Riggs taking on Dean Malenko, the Cruiserweight Champion, Bagwell back out in Riggs' corner. We see some chain wrestling and then we spot six in the crowd watching on. We see the NWO picket signs which we've seen a number of times in recent episodes. We see... Riggs go charging at Malenko towards the corner, but catches his shoulder to the post. Dean Malenko with a big clothesline in the corner. Riggs comes back with a backdrop and a drop kick, and then a plancher and a top rope axe handle, picking up a near fall. Riggs then falls off the ropes. Bagwell tosses him in quite rough, a la a lumberjack match. Malenko rolls him up for the 1-2-3, and then Bagwell claims his innocence, so I smell a heel turn coming here for one Marcus Alexander Bagwell as we roll out to the next commercial break. When we come back, our next match is Hector Guerrero of Gobbledygooker fame, taking on Chris Benoit of um, Infamy that we won't speak about. We see an inset promo um, from Jimmy Hart and Kevin Sullivan. Um, this is an awkward one because they're sort of alluding towards Benoit and woman's relationship. It's all very um, spoken in tongues and riddles. We see a crisscross earlier, backdrop from Benoit. Guerrero hits an arm drag. And we see a heads as a takedown for a two. We go to another commercial. We see an ad for the NWO shirt that we've seen a bunch of times. Benoit hits a knee lift and a slam and a gut buster for a two. Locks in an abdominal stretch and begins to work the ribs. We get the 30 second countdown for hour number two with Pyro as Benoit rolls up for a two count. Guerrero rolls up for a two count. And then Hector Guerrero puts Benoit on the ropes. Sorry, um, Guerrero puts Benoit on the ropes there, sort of lay across on his belly um, across the corner of uh, two sets of ropes, and then lays on his back and kicks upwards towards Benoit a few times, sort of rocking back and forth before kicking him off the ropes in a really strange spot that I haven't seen before. We then get a bit of a botched ending as we go for a roll-up, but Woman's late to break it up. In the end, Benoit recovers and locks in a dirty pin using the ropes for the assist and picks up the 1-2-3. Um, overall, I thought this match, considering the talent involved, was a little bit awkward and not of the high quality I expected, but it was okay to watch. We see Giant in the crowd, and then we see a replay of Jeff Jarrett beating Ricky Morton and then a Giant promo from the crowd there. 
We see Mike Tanay with Jeff Jarrett, Chris Benoit, Woman, and Deborah. Mongo's there too. They indicate Jarrett's not with the Four Horsemen, which he seems to shrug off. This is a little bit of a weird one for me. Um, Mongo and Benoit are just shunning Jarrett while he's being forced to sort of act like he's fine with them all and matesy. Um, I think the, the way they've made Jarrett look like shit here inadvertently is going to qualify them for my dick move of the week this week. So unless something beats that later on in the show, we've got ourselves a winner here. We see Sting in the crowd while Jarrett's chatting. Um, apparently, that you know, seems to say they've given up. Oh, sorry. The um, I tell a lie here. I'm struggling with my notes once again, which is a staple of this show. You've come to expect me not to be able to read my own handwriting by now. Um, Sting's in the crowd, and while Jarrett's still talking, they pull away from him and just ignore him completely to go and focus on Sting. So between the um, shun from Benoit and Mongo and the production team just pulling away from Jared, I can't see anything beating this for my dick move of the week as they end his rambling promo here and go to commercial. And our colleague Mike today, Mike. Thanks very much, Tony. Jeff Jarrett, it's become quite obvious the serious injuries to the Nature Boy Ric Flair and Arn Anderson that as we head into World War III, the four horsemen are at far less than 100% strength. Well, you're talking to the lead horse, and the old saying goes, we may be down, but we're not out because I've watched those guys' career from afar, and I know one thing, when they get together, the NWO will go down. Let me tell you the way it is, Mike. Any business pertaining to the horsemen shall be dealt with accordingly by a horseman. Listen, listen. In the age of free agency, I don't understand how somebody can just walk through a door and sit his butt down in the seat and say, this is my house, mister. I got my foot in the door, Jarrett. You listen to me, boy. Another thing, baby. You see that shirt zipper head? It says four horsemen. And Chris and myself will be keeping vigilant, baby, until those two old horsemen, Arn Anderson and Ric Flair, who are tougher than boot leather, oh, yes, they will be back. And then they'll be held to pay from the horsemen, baby. And as far as I'm concerned, Chris and woman, this four horsemen interview is over. Jeff Jarrett. I know one of the things that concerns you is the fact that no one in world championship wrestling has stepped up and taken that leadership role against the NWO. That's exactly right. As I was saying, Mike, you want to talk about leadership. You want to talk about WCW versus NWO. You want to talk about WCW winning the war. Well, in order for that to happen, WCW, like I said two weeks ago, has to unite. That's right, the four horsemen in the Dungeon of Doom got to put their things aside, clear things up. Luger and Anderson, Look put your this. personal business aside. Nasty boys, all I got to say to you two fat doughboys is actions speak louder than words. And Piper, that's right, you got to wipe, wipe that Hollywood makeup off your face and get in the ring and see if you still got it, because I've got it. Because Ric Flair said I had it, he said I could walk the walk and talk the talk. When I get the gun, I shoot a bullseye every time. Don't wrap me up, pal. When I get the ball, I score a touchdown every time. When I say I'm going to do something, I do it every time. You can't say that about Sting. No, he's walking around in some catwalk. He's not even in the game. The last time he's in the game, he fumbled the ball. But he's he walked listening. out at fall brawl. He turned his back on the people. That's right, he turned his back on the people that made him, and that's WCW. 
so you can X his name off the list. But you can't say that about Flair because he may get on his horse again. The big white stallion rides Space Mountain one more time and lead us to victory. It may be Piper. I may have to do it. But one way or another, Hogan, you and the rest of your NWO flunkies are going down. That ain't no threat. That's a promise. Strong words from Jeff Jarrett, Tony Schiavone. Things look unsettled in the Four Horsemen camp. So, yeah, you'd have heard the commentary team there losing focus on what Jarrett was uh, speaking about and heading up to watch Sting in the rafters. It doesn't translate as well through audio as it does on video, but I'm sure you sort of made out what I was talking about there. Jarrett, to be fair, does himself no pro and no favours with this promo by not acknowledging the disrespect he gets from the two horsemen and by rambling. He even admits that he's being wrapped up by the production team. So overall, I think this is um, Jarrett sort of, what, four or five weeks in here and we're already starting to see the bloom come off the rose. We go to Mike Tanay, Tony Schiavone, and Bobby the Brain Heenan next when we come back from that commercial. Um, they've got the Women's Championship belt on the table. They talk about Roddy Piper and whether or not he's going to come to WCW. They get Lee Marshall on the phone at a Nitro party. A lot of filler here going on. We then go to our next match in the eight-woman tournament for the title, and it's going to be Medusa taking on Reina Jubilee. Um, I don't know much about her. Um, not a name that I'm familiar with. Apologies there. She jumps Medusa early, hits a hair snap and a lifting choke. Um, we see Zero, one of the um, bigger ladies wrestlers in the tournament, walk out with Sunny Ono. She's probably the odds-on favorite to be the finalist against Medusa. Medusa hits a sling blade for a two before Jubilee comes back with the Northern Lights for a one. A missile drop kick for a two before Medusa locks in a German suplex for the one, two, three in a very quick throwaway match here. So um, can't say they're doing this title any justice before it starts if we're going to have two-minute matches and foreshadow the two uh, sort of finalists before we've even really got rocking and rolling. Our next contest is Michael Wall Street taking on Chris Jericho. Wall Street works the arm. Jericho hits a northern lights and a crossbody and a spin kick for a two. Wall Street sends Jericho to the floor where he tweaks his knee. Wall Street, of course, goes for an abdominal stretch because that's what you do when your opponent's got an injured knee. Locks in a classic IRS-style chin lock. Jericho comes back with a missile drop kick and a small package for the fluky babyface. One, two, three. We're then with Mike Tanay at the ramp again with Nick Patrick and his lawyer. Jericho walks up and says there's nothing wrong with his neck. Teddy Long comes out and accuse, makes some more accusations around his refereeing and cheating as we go out to a commercial. We come back and it's time for Booker T with Sherry taking on Lex Luger. We see a replay of Lex walking out after, after Sting last week and we get an inset promo from Lex Luger as well. I've left calls, messages, all unanswered. I even chased after you through crowds at Nitro. But I gotta hope and pray that these bogus overtures made by the NWO are falling on those same deaf ears. Stinger, if you can hang out in the rafters, you gotta have just one minute, just one minute of your time. I'm gonna sit down with you face to face. That's all I ask. As you heard there, Lex is wanting to get a sit-down with Sting, and he's putting his pleas out there publicly. When the match gets started, he hits a clothesline and a suplex, a back elbow, and we go to another commercial. A running power slam gets him a two before Booker T comes back with a scissor kick and a sidewalk slam. Luger hits a clothesline, for, um, a pair of clotheslines actually, and a power slam before going for a rack, but it's blocked. 
Booker T hits a lovely spin kick, and Colonel Parker comes out. This distracts Booker T and allows Lex Lou to get the roll-up victory with the 1-2-3. We then go to the commentary team on the phone with Eric Bischoff, who says he's stuck um, with agents and management when it comes to getting Roddy Piper on board, and we recap the Hogan-Roddy Piper stuff from Halloween Havoc again. Hogan's music plays, and he comes out with Ted... DBRC, The Giant, and Virgil. And we've got some mic issues at first, and he asked for a spotlight. I'll splice a little bit of this promo in here. It's um, strange, again, to be ending with a promo. We've done a lot of, like, cold endings on Nitro over the last few weeks, and it's taking a little bit of the steam out of out of the show, but I'll put it here for you because it's a good promo nonetheless, and you can judge for yourself whether or not this is the right way to end the show. Take the hook him up to a lie detector and let him talk. Minus 24. spotlight and make me feel I'm right out in Hollywood, California. But you know, trillionaire Ted, now that I think about Hollywood, there's a real big party going on on the 16th of November. That's the Cable Ace Awards. And as of yet, Trillionaire Ted, I don't have my invitation. Matter of fact, nobody in the NWO does, but especially Hollywood doesn't have his invitation. And you know something? I also know that Ted Turner is going to be sitting in the front row at the Cable Ace Awards. Well, let me tell you something, Billionaire Ted, not Trillionaire Ted, Billionaire Ted Turner, if I don't get nominated, for the Cable Ace Awards, I am the man that made you what you are. I'm the reason Nitro is the hottest cable show in the country. And Ted Turner. Give me a break. If Hollywood Hogan doesn't win a Cable Ace Award, even if I don't get an invitation, I'll crash the party and I'll take yours away from you, Ted Turner, you little chump. He can win Goon of the Year, I can tell you that. That's me one of those air sickness bags. Now to wrestling matters at hand. The whole world is wearing black and white with NWO all over it. Hollywood Hogan is the world's heavyweight champion at the top of the ladder. And you know something? Not only am I a champion in the ring, I'm a champion in front of the camera. And when I saw Roddy Piper in Las Vegas a week ago, I did everything I could to lead that little sissy with a skirt on to slaughter. I put on the greatest act of my acting career, trying to get him in the ring with me, trying to get him to make a move, Trillionaire Ted. I did everything except lay on my back, begging for Rowdy Roddy Piper, the man that wears the miniskirt to step up to the plate and fight me. But as I brought the lamb to slaughter, little did I know Piper had no heart. So apparently, Rowdy Roddy Piper is scared to wrestle Hollywood. Apparently, Rowdy Roddy Piper doesn't have this much of Hollywood's guts. So you can probably find him 
sitting next to the macho man at their favorite rest home somewhere. From this day forward, Hollywood Hogan is your master. From this day forward, Hollywood Hogan will be the NWO Heavyweight Champion. And now, this Santa with Muscles next week will be box office. I guess it's that time, Trillionaire Ted. That's right, Hollywood, one more time. And since the fans loved it so much last week. Yeah, do we get to watch this? And since Hollywood appreciates your undying support for the NWO, he's going to entertain you one more time. Go ahead, Hollywood. Let him have it. As you heard there, we're going to end the show with DBRC leading Hogan to pose. Bit of a cold finish there, as I said there. And I don't think this was one of the better episodes of Nitro in a while. Nothing really stood out as being must-see. It seemed to be like a real, a lot of like filler and placeholder stuff, you know. We continued the DDP Outsiders storyline a little bit. We continued the Nick Patrick Crooked Ref a little bit. Hogan Piper a little bit. But nothing really happened. As since the like induction of the NWO, this is probably one of the most skippable shows we've seen. Not a bad show. It just really didn't have the drama and the excitement and sort of definitely a cold finish so make of that what you will but i think it definitely gives raw you know the opportunity to do something a bit more exciting and counter program and possibly pick up the win this week so we'll have a look shortly before before we do that let's head on to the halftime segment For halftime this week, I thought I'd just quickly talk about some of the wrestling stuff I've been watching, not taking notes and reviewing for the podcast, just watching in my spare time. It's a bit weird. Like, um, I sort of have to be in a different mood to watch shows that I'm going to take studious notes that I can't read anyway on to record for the podcast versus putting something on, you know, in the background that I can maybe play on my phone and zone out of a little bit more or just, you know, sit down and enjoy and not have to write anything. Um, and in the last month or two, I've watched the entire run of 1991 WWF superstars on YouTube. I bought those on disc probably 15 years ago and watched the first few and then moved house, lost them, whatever, never got round to it. Um, so it was nice to be able to sit down and actually do it and they're all on YouTube and I didn't have to pay any money, which is great. And then I started in 1990. I've only watched the first episode, but I, I don't know why I went nine. Well, I do because 91 and 98 are sort of my two big years in wrestling fandom. 91 was where I could watch the pay-per-views for the first time and was watching week-to-week shows up until August when we moved, as I've detailed many times before on this podcast. So then... I figured I'd go backwards and check out 1990, which was also a big year in my fandom, just didn't have the same access. And also, at the same time, I've gone back and started to watch the old Legends of Wrestling Roundtable on Binge over here, which would be Peacock or the network, depending on where you are in the world. Um, watched them many years ago. I think, again, I had them on, like, DVD off the old, like, forums where you could pick up bootleg DVDs of stuff. So yeah, that's what I'm watching in my spare time. And then I also picked up UFC 5 for the PlayStation. So I've been playing a bit of UFC, um, enjoying that. As pretty similar to UFC 4, updated sort of graphics and roster. But as someone whose UFC fandom is very much, uh, you know, I-, I was a lot bigger UFC fan when there were characters that I really enjoyed. I think it's become a lot better as a sport, but a lot less entertaining, if that makes sense for a more casual fan. My sort of wheelhouse was the um, 
Tito Ortiz, Chuck Liddell, Randy Couture, Rampage Jackson sort of era, um, and still check in and watch occasionally, but the pay-per-views being on normally when I'm out coaching football and no sort of like weekly show or access to watch, like I don't even know if Ultimate Fighter still runs in this day and age, but there's nothing to grab a hold of and watch now, so I, I do find myself checking out a little bit more, but jumping on the game and really enjoying playing it for anyone who's considering picking it up. That's sort of all my non-podcast related wrestling or UFC stuff there. So I'll keep it short and sweet and we'll head over to Raw and see what they've got to offer. The World Wrestling Federation. For over 50 years, the revolutionary force in sports entertainment. Last week, Stone Cold Steve Austin was live in our WWF studios at Bret Hart joined us live via satellite from his home in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Ever hear of Equal Time, McMahon? The producers tried to cut Stone Cold off. He took it out on everyone and everything in sight. From there, Steve Austin accosted the studio security guard who had no choice but to call for police backup. And tonight, ladies and gentlemen, Kevin Kelly is standing by live via satellite from the home of Brian Pillman in suburban Cincinnati. Yeah, and guess who's coming to dinner? Stone Cold. Steve Austin. And can Shawn Michaels trust like Sid? Are the New York Jets going to the Super Bowl? At Survivor Series, Sid and Shawn will go at each other head to head. Next week, they'll be side by side in tag competition. But tonight, first, they'll go face to face right here on Monday Night Raw. When I splice in the intros for these shows, I don't normally leave the music in because I did that in the early episodes and the themes haven't changed on either show since I started and I figured hearing the same music every week was less interesting than hearing like the commentary sort of introduction pre-ramble for the show. But I left the music in there. I don't know if you spotted it, but somehow in the raw music, a cough ended up in the sound this week. Like surely that's just a file they were putting in every week, but apparently not some (laughs) some, um, careless production assistant has coughed over the music in the intro and it made it to air and is still on the network so there you go um that's the the funny part to the intro but i'm gonna actually check back out and splice again in just a moment because i don't know if you heard this but we're going to brian pillman's house and if you know what's in store here when i talked about nitro being a bit of a mundane show and raw having an opportunity to do something a bit more out there this definitely qualifies so let's keep checking in and out as the show goes on to see how this this goes from here now let's take you to Kevin Kelly live outside of Brian Pillman's home. Kevin, go ahead. Can you hear us? Coming to you from suburban Cincinnati live outside the home of Brian Pillman. I'm Kevin Kelly, where in just a few moments I'll be conducting a very special live interview with Brian Pillman. Now, this uh, uh, remember that this interview was announced last week on Raw. And in the wake of the announcement, Stone Cold Steve Austin threatened to show up here tonight live at Brian Pillman's home in suburban Cincinnati. Now, Mr. Pillman is here with his wife. His children have been sent to their grandparents in the wake of this threat. Now, you can understand Mr. Pillman. He's very tense. He's inside, immobile, and feeling very vulnerable. It's a high-tense situation. What will Brian Pillman do if Stone Cold Steve Austin follows up with his threat and shows up here tonight live? I will ask him that question as well as the prognosis for his recovery in just a few moments live. 
holy shit, it's happening. <laughs> yeah, let's see. Let's definitely monitor that. We do go back to the arena for a match, though. It's Goldust taking on the Stalker. Goldust is going to come out with his Survivor Series partners of Marlena, Triple H, Mr. Perfect, Crush, and Clarence Mason. And the Stalker's going to come out with Mark Henry, The Rock, Mark Miro, and Sable. Spoiler, when we get to Survivor Series, these, change, these teams will be somewhat changed. But this was here. Um, this was who we planned on having at the event for now. McMahon says Mr. Perfect has had his wrestling license revoked, so that's probably going to stop him making any sort of appearances soon. Stalker hits an arm drag. Um, we've got a Doc Hendricks inset promo early on says Austin is heading the Brian Pillman's is on the phone. Um, the match is very much a you know a forgotten part of what's going on here. Goldust misses a crossbody. Um, and then the faces throwing back in the ring after he lands on the floor. Jerry Lawler joins the heel team from commentary, leaving Vince alone. We get a suplex from Stalker, sorry, a gut wrench suplex, and then Goldust kisses um, Barry Windham, the Stalker. We get a video package on Austin in black and white in a warehouse, which is quite cool after going out to a commercial. And when we come back, both of the combatants have gone over the top rope, a brawl erupts, and we ended in double disqualification. So lots of stuff taking away from the match, but... I don't think too many people were clamoring for Goldust versus Barry Windham in 1996 here, so we'll probably forgive for, for some of the chaos going on. We get a Survivor Series rundown from Doc Hendricks with an Undertaker promo over the PA and Paul Barry scared in the arena. We head over to Brian Pillman's house and we're with his wife and Kevin Kelly and holy shit, look at business picking up right here. Yes, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, we are live now. Suburban Cincinnati with Brian Pillman along with Kevin Kelly and of course everyone knows of the injury sustained rather uh, at the well, WWF Superstars about a week ago and uh, Kevin would you uh, proceed with the interview? Yes, uh, Vince it's a very tense scene here in suburban Cincinnati tonight. Brian I have to ask you after the unprovoked savage attack last week on WWF Superstars you had I understand reconstructive surgery once again on your ankle. Can you give us the prognosis? What have the doctors told you about your recovery? Look, Kelly, I'm alive and well. I got an excellent prognosis for 97. But let's talk about Mr. Austin's prognosis. I've been in bitter feuds many, many times in this sport. There's a fine line between business and private lives. Austin, you've crossed that line. You've made this personal. And now we're operating on a whole different set of rules. And Brian, we heard earlier that uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin could be on his way to your home here tonight. Uh, I, you Actually, can't move. Kev, if I can inter interject this, uh, I am, so I'm told that, uh, in fact, that we have uh, Mr. Austin circling the neighborhood. And I just wonder oh. whether or not, from your standpoint, uh, Mr. Pillman, if you can hear me, it seems to me that considering your vulnerability with your wife, Melanie, and well, Steve Austin's very vulnerable as well. well, well I not think what, do you his feel rage has blinded him to the fact that his best friend knows him better than anybody. Do you feel it? His strengths, his weaknesses, and certainly his fears. Yes. Notwithstanding your bravado, do you feel a hostage? Do you feel like you're a hostage in your own home tonight? Ah, Steve is a dead man walking because when Austin 316 meets Pillman. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm going to blast his service. He's out Straight there, man. Down. He's a Steve Austin's out there now, man. What? Samurai Ninja. Unstoppable. Headstone. Uncontrollable. 
You heard it right, folks. Pillman's got a gun. Oh, my God. And just for a little laugh there, they transitioned away into the Karate Fighters ad, so I just let a couple of seconds of that play so everyone saw the madness that is this episode. Um, we see Sid take on Marlena in a Karate Fighters tournament matchup, and Sid wins. We go to a commercial. When we come back, Austin is brawling with Pillman's friends on the outside of his house. Fuck, this is going off. We somehow splice back to the arena, and it's going to be... Um, Phineas Godwin... Oh, sorry, no, it's not Phineas Godwin. I thought I wrote the pig, but I've written the pug. Alex the Pug Porto taking on the Sultan with the Iron Sheik and Bob Backlund. How can we be expected to watch this match when we know Austin's beating the shit out of Pilbert's friends who sat on the couch with a gun? Sultan with an arm drag and a belly to the belly, locks in the camel clutch, picks up the win. <laughs> Back to Pilbert's house, thank God. We get inside, um, and Austin's in, and the feed cuts out with Pillman pointing the gun at Austin. Holy shit, what has gone on? It's a cliffhanger, and the episode's not even over. We go back to the arena, and we attempt to recreate some sense of normalcy. Um, JR brings out Sid, and then Shawn Michaels and Jose. HBK says he's um, brought Sid back, and Sid calls... um, bullshit on that actually says bullshit and calls him stupid calls jr fat so as well um sid's killing sean here um the tempers flare and then jose tries to get in between we end up with a shoving contest Cornette comes out with kemp Cornette, so the bulldog and vader um are going to be taking on sid and sean and owen hart comes in and nails sid in the back with a chair he sees it but sean michaels chases him off and then he grabs a chair and sean acts like sean hit him it's a bit of a misstep but it's okay like it's not too obvious we can forgive uh, the refs keep them apart, and then we go to a commercial. We come back, and Miro with Sable is taking on our wonderful fake Razor Ramon with the fake Diesel. JR joins the commentary since his boys are out. Some power moves early from Razor before Miro speeds a matchup, hits an arm drag. Um, we get Kerwin selfies on the phone, which is funny. Um, no real update, but it just thought it was a notable name. We go to a commercial, and when we come back, we don't have any updates yet. Um, this match still sucks, by the way. JR's blaming Vince, and Jerry Law was trying to play keys, uh, Peacekeeper. Vince doesn't appear to be happy with what's going on in the ring, um, or what's going on at Pilman's house, by the way, which JR blames Vince for as well. Mero hits a top rope runner for a two, and then Triple H and Mr. Perfect come out. Um, we go to a commercial break. When we come back, they trip Miro and Razor locks on the Razor's edge for the one, two, three. And I cannot believe, even for the sake of their angle, they sacrifice Mark Miro to the fake Razor Ramon here. Um, shocking, shocking decision. When we come back, we've got the feedback at the house. Nobody's been shot. Um, the friends are holding back Brian Pillman. And Austin comes back and we go off the air in chaos. I'll give you a little snippet of that since we heard what Hogan went off the air with on Nitro and you can compare the two endings of the show. We're gonna take that's what happened. We lost We are live. Kevin Kelly, there's chaos there. Was any did anybody fire a shot? Is is anyone hurt? Did anybody get shot? And and Brian Pillman being restrained by his friends. Nobody's been shot. What? Nobody's been struck by any of the any of the explosions. Do you do you know where Austin is? Vince, I'm sorry. Can you hear me? Do you know where Austin is? I do not is? know where Steve Austin is. What was more damage? He saw the gun. Was he more damage? He saw the gun and he left. Oh what? my God, he's back! God. Let him go. 
that son of a bitch got this coming. Let him go. I'm going to kill that son of a bitch. Let him go. Call the police. Call the police. Call the police. All right. Get him out of here. Grab him, Kevin. Grab the gun. Grab the gun. Wow. <laughs> yeah, the two endings, night and day. Ted DiBiase saying, have a second week of Hulk posing. And Kevin Kelly going, holy shit, Brian Pillman's about to shoot Steve Austin in the fucking head. Um, you actually hear Pillman drop an F-bomb saying, let him go, let him fucking go. Um, it's not like it's a little faint on camera, but you definitely hear it there if you listen for it. Um, what a wild ending to Raw. This was utter chaos and the most interesting episode of Raw in quite a while. Um... Nitro and Raw just for me like really changed tunes and we had the most dull stuck in the mud episode of Nitro for a while and the most fresh and exciting episode of Raw. Um, Nitro's been kicking Raw's ass for ages so it's not a bad thing that Raw fought back but um, yeah fascinating. Let's go and do the wrap up and you know it's hard to compare the ratings on the show because you know you don't know that raw is gonna bring a fucking gun and decide to watch that instead of nitro but let's just see how the ratings played out and what i felt about watching the two shows okay so nitro obviously still wins the round here with a 3.4 to raw's 2.3 um good combined numbers there all things considered for 96 but that said it's our time to go and do the wrap up um, look, match quality I'm going to go with first, and I've got to give match quality with, to Nitro, even though neither had a standout match. Um, Nitro definitely did a little bit more in the ring than Raw did, so I'm going to give them that, probably just for Booker T versus Lex Luger, even if it was only short. So match quality goes to Nitro. I'm gonna, production's an interesting one because I ragged on Raw for the cough over the video, um, but they did some really cool stuff with losing the feed and you know coming back to Pillman's house and... You know, WCW really ended as a damp squib. And I think, you know, the the way you put your show together, I sort of somewhat class in production there as well. So I'm going to go production with Raw, even if they did have an uncharacteristic blunder. It kind of made me laugh anyway. Um, Storylines, I've got to go with Raw. That's just like that Pillman storyline is the best thing on either show. WCW slightly advanced all their storylines, but nothing changed. And like, if you miss the show, you are no further behind. Um characters is probably a tough one i think um probably gonna go with a tie on this one you could make an argument for either side um but i'll I'll keep it simple and go with a tie and then the last one for this week is crowd heat and crowd heat i probably would go oh I think there was a hot crowd at the start of Nitro and I think the crowd were hot for the Undertaker's promo on Raw so I'm gonna I'm gonna call it a tie but Overall, I think this is one of those ones where the gut feels got to come into play. And for me, Raw was a far more exciting show. So if you're going to watch one of these two episodes, absolutely, you can skip Nitro and you'll miss nothing, even if you want to recap all of the NWO angle. But if you want to see what was happening in the Rise of Stone Cold, you have to see this episode of Raw. So for that very reason, Raw is our winner on the 4th of November and definitely a must-see show. If you haven't watched these, the 4th of November Raw for a 45-minute, you know, investment of time is well worth seeing this for the historical significance and all the madness that surrounds it so definitely go and watch that 
We've got Raw and Nitro from November 11 coming very soon, and they should follow with, um, we always do them slightly out of whack when we get to the pay-per-view, so it'll be World War Three versus Survivor Series, and then the following weeks, Raw and Nitro again. So keep an eye out for some more 1996 goodness, and we will be back with you again very soon. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and as mentioned at the start of the show, have a great holiday.